Hey, this is Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, a podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment related, especially Korean dramas, Korean movies, Korean variety shows, K-pop, and K-beauty. So thank you so much for tuning in and listen on. Hey everyone, today is a Tuesday. It is May. What is today? It's May 26th. It's right after Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, it was Memorial Day yesterday, so it was a holiday here in the States for us. Um, it's, it's a pretty big thing for us here in the States because we're slowly reopening our state here in California and Memorial Day was memorial day yesterday was probably like the biggest weekend so far since we've been in quarantine and shelter in place um, because of this pandemic covid19 that's been going on in the past few months as you guys also know um but welcome back uh i am finally back this week with podcast episode 19 so welcome guys welcome to the 19th episode of my podcast we are we're we're get we're getting there <laughs> we're getting back to a normal schedule of doing podcast episodes and i'm super excited about it because i'm really trying guys it's it's been it's been a journey this past like three months or so trying to go back into a normal schedule mainly because covid19 and all that stuff and got me really busy at work um like i mentioned in my previous podcast episode but also it's just that i've just been in like in the middle of watching so many korean dramas lately that i haven't just had that one drama that i really felt passionate about talking on this podcast about but um because i have been watching a few dramas side by side i do now have like three or four dramas that i could talk about um in the next few podcast episodes um So today we're gonna talk about a Korean drama that is pretty epic in scale, which is currently showing on Netflix. It is The King, Eternal Monarch. It is not doing very well in Korea in terms of rating, but I think like internationally, there's a lot of fans like me that actually enjoy watching this drama. So we're gonna talk about The King, Eternal Monarch. Um, in the K-pop section, we're going to talk about a new song released by one of my favorite, favorite K-pop bands, Day6. Their new song, Zombie, which is from their newest comeback album called The Book of Us, The Demon. Um, it's it's a little bit darker than their usual like style of songs and stuff but it's a very interesting song very thought-provoking and i'm gonna talk about that in the k-pop section um and in the k-beauty section we're gonna revisit a couple of uh lip products that i have mentioned before in this podcast episode but i kind of want to highlight again just because they're um they're pretty much lip products that I have been using a lot lately. It's kind of hard because here we've been encouraged to use 
uh, or to wear a mask when we're out in public, for, of course, to prevent COVID-19 from spreading. Uh, but then you can't really show off your your makeup that much um mainly because of course your people are not gonna see your mouth or your lips but i've kind of had this thing about like i'm gonna wear my lip products still just to have the semblance of like normal so we're just gonna revisit a couple of brands and products that i do enjoy um using Uh, on a daily basis still, even in the midst of this shelter-at-home pandemic going on. So stay tuned and um, listen on. And we are back. Um, you are listening to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about Korean dramas, Korean movies, Korean variety shows, K-pop, of course, and Korean bre- Korean beauty products that I love. This sh- spiel isn't going very well in the beginning of this section, huh? But anyways, welcome. Um, this is the Korean drama section of this podcast. And like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about 
a Korean drama that I actually have been enjoying lately um, called the title is The King Eternal Monarch um, it is currently showing on Netflix and I think it still has about four more episodes and there's two episodes that are gonna be uh, premiering this weekend well this Friday and Saturday I believe is when it shows up here in the States um, it's not really one of those the dramas that I like fervently follow and like know when it comes out online on streaming um, mainly because I just try to watch it like when I can um, since I do have a few of the few dramas kind of just on my plate right now so um but uh the king eternal monarch is uh, starring lee min ho kim goon and Wu do Wan. and i'm gonna read you guys a uh synopsis um i found online you guys know i love doing that uh this one's from asian wiki uh another wikipedia page Anyways, uh, the King Eternal Monarch in 1994, the Kingdom of Korea encounters severe upheaval. The king, played by Kwon Yu, is murdered by his brother, Lee Yim, played by Lee Jung Jin, and the king's son, Lee Gon, played uh, younger by John Hyun Jun, is stabbed in the neck, but he survives. The murderous Lee Lim seeks to possess the. Oh God, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher this name, but uh, seeks to possess the Manpa Sijok, which is a legendary flute that holds supernatural powers. After a mysterious figure appears with a gun, Lee Lim lips, slips away with only half of the now broken flute. The young Lee Gon holds onto a police badge he grabbed from the mysterious figure. The next day, Lee Gon is appointed as the next ruler of the Kingdom of Korea. 25 years later, in the autumn of 2019, King Lee Gon, now played by Lee Min-ho um, as an adult, gover governs, governs the Kingdom of Korea as its benevolent leader. He is still haunted by what happened when he was a child and the mystery behind the police badge left by his savior. The police badge he held was issued November 11, 2000, 2019 for Lieutenant Jong Tae-ho autumn 2019 in the Republic of Korea. Jong Tae-ol, played by Kim Go-yeon, is a detective in the Violent Crimes Division at the Seoul jong Police Station. She's currently working undercover to take down the operator of an illegal online gambling operation. Meanwhile, in the Kingdom of Korea, King Lee-gon chases after someone that is dressed like a rabbit with a clock. King Ligon has a feeling that the person dressed like a rabbit may be his mysterious savior from 25 years earlier. King Ligon mounts his horse, Maximus, and enters the forest. Soon, he crosses over from the Kingdom of Korea into the parallel world of the Republic of Korea. Ligon finally meets Detective Jong Tail. So that's a little bit of a summary of the story. Um, let's talk about the basics, I guess. Uh... The King Eternal Monarch also goes by the title Eternity of a Monarch, also in Korean, Jo King Yongwoni Gonju. Uh, it is currently airing on SBS uh, in Korea. It's produced by Studio Dragon, which is one of those production houses in Korea that are known for like their epic 
epic um, production value. Um, I think there were also the... I believe that there were also the production company who who did uh, Kingdom uh, that I mentioned, I've talked about before in a previous podcast episode. Um, the King Eternal Monarch is currently available with English subtitles, like I said, on Netflix. Um, they're going to be airing episode 13 and 14, I believe, uh, this coming weekend. Um, this is This drama was really talked about a lot. Uh, while in production because it's a big deal because it's helmed by one of the most probably well-known, most famous Korean drama screenwriters, um, Kim Yoon-suk. Um, you might know her, even if you're just a casual fan of Korean dramas, um, unlike me who've watched a lot of Korean dramas in the past decade, um, but she, Kim Yoon-suk is the brain behind like Korean dramas like The Heirs, which stars Lee, Lee Min-ho as well. Secret Garden with Hyun Bin, uh, Lovers in Paris, classic, classic Korean drama. Uh, a little bit cringe-worthy now if you watch it, but back then it was like the classic um, Korean drama to watch. Um, Descendants of the Sun with Song Joong-gi, um, who, I mean, everybody knows Descendants of the Sun. Like It's like a worldwide blockbuster hit of a Korean drama. Uh, Goblin. Uh, which uh, has Gong Yu um, as the lead. Um, Kim Go Yoon is also the lead on this, uh, on Goblin. Um, and that was also a big blockbuster hit. Uh, most most recently, probably, that people know her from is Mr. Sunshine with Lee Byung-hun, um, also on Netflix. Um, I watched Mr. Sunshine, but didn't finish it. I mean, I'm a huge Yu Yoon Suk fan, but it was just... It was just not clicking for me. But it was also a very epic, kind of more historical um, drama. Um, so there was there was just a lot of buzz about this drama, mainly because of the writer, since she's known to write these epic, very large, um, very opulent productions of a Korean drama. The stories are always very big and like just like over the top. Um but also it's it was also very talked about because uh Lee Min Ho um who has been doing his mandatory compulsory military service for the past 2 years uh recently got discharged from his military service and this is his first like literally comeback project and everybody was just like looking forward to it because he's been gone for two years he hasn't really done any uh pr- dramas and or movies for that matter um you might know him from the airs i i know him from boys over flowers which is um another one of those really classic korean dramas now that um a little bit cringy um if you watch it now, but it's like a definite classic it's also available on netflix if you want to check it out but that's that's how uh, he ha- he was in a couple of like little kind of lesser known roles but boys over flowers solidified like pretty much Lee Minho as like a top K-drama actor um it was probably his first lead role even before the airs um and it was just like uh 
it was one of those Korean dramas that no matter how bad it could be, um, it was gonna launch all of its um, actors and actresses into stardom because um, it has done that for the other adaptations of it in other countries. Like, you know, it was Meteor Garden, um, the original Boys Over Flowers in Japan. Um, so it was already... Um, it was already like a drama series that when it got adopted adapted into a Korean drama that it was definitely, definitely going to do well, regardless of how bad or how well it was written or how well it was executed. So that's how I was introduced to Lee Min-ho. Um, I was never really a huge fan of him. Like I, I didn't really follow his career. I knew uh, from Boys Over Flowers that he really, he really kind of got like, became an A-list and he got all these roles but after Boys Over Flowers I didn't really watch much of his his Korean dramas it's just it just wasn't like appealing to me even though I enjoyed watching him in Boys Over Flowers um he really does uh I mean let's talk about that <laughs> in Korean dramas there's that cliche kind of like archetype character of the chebol character which is usually a male the male lead who is rich um and a little bit of a sagaji like a little bit like too condescending and rude uh or at sundere like usually like very cold outside but actually soft and caring and warm inside and he has a lot of like emotional baggage and that's usually the archetype of the male lead chebol character in korean dramas i mean of course chebol can um also be like a woman of course uh if you remember Vic veronica park from uh what is this series lately i can't even remember um but it's veronica park in one of the korean dramas before um last year or sometime this year uh was a chebol so there's there's definitely like female chebol characters but um usually it's a male the male lead right um at his peak lee min ho i think really does well in playing um the chebol character he really does well in playing that kind of rude um archetype like sagaji character uh which he did very well in boys over flowers of course uh as gujumpyo and on the airs um he that was like peak chebol uh lee minho character um um in in a way here in the king Eternal Monarch, he's the ultimate, ultimate Chebol character because in the parallel Kingdom of Korea, he is a young um, bachelor, uh, very good looking king um, that has all the riches of the Republic of Korea at his, you know, hands, like at his grasp. So he's kind of like, probably like the ultimate chebol character and at first you kind of think that because in the first few episodes he kind of really plays it off as that that what you expect of a chebol character he's uh commanding like uh cold and a bit of a tsundere but then then 
you realize that Lee Min Ho has grown a lot as an actor because this um role as Lee Gun is a little bit more nuanced than any of his previous roles, mostly Chibol characters. Um and you can really argue that he's just really trying to work with what he's given. Um, Ligon as a character can feel very authoritative, very stern as he is the king of a whole kingdom. Um, but also um, you really see that they try to make his character more uh, well-rounded because he's not only just like the Chebel type of archetype character, but he'll also quite nerdy he's a mathematician he loves like equations um he is a little bit um geeky in a way that he is like he's he's just very in love with Jung Tae-il um Kim Goyeon's character um even just from one encounter from when he was saved as a child so um and he, he's kind of like, he has this very good duality of being like that Magnum is very like up there king as well as like this, this just young man who's like just has hearts coming out of his eyes for this woman that he loves. Um, so I, I think in terms of characters, this is probably one of the best or better characters that Lee Min-ho has played because he's given a lot of room, um, a lot of wiggle room to just not um, be burdened with the, with the cliche and the archetype of a Chable character. But he's also given a lot of wiggle room to kind of explore and kind of show Lee Gon as like, uh, not only as a character that has a painful, tragic past in terms of seeing and witnessing his father die being murdered by his uncle but um and being very rich i mean very entitled and everything but also you see there is that bit of a more human uh just your regular young man in love uh underbelly to that that he shows very well uh in this series um let's talk about Kim Goyun, who um I've seen in the news, she was also in Goblin, the Great and Lonely God with Gong Yu, uh, and Lee Dong Wook, who is, hello, one of my favorite um actors, uh, <laughs> probably her most high profile project after catapulting, um to stardom with Goblin. I mean, I think she's she did a few other. Korean dramas, but I think most people will remember him, remember her as Yoon Tak from Goblin. Um, for me, honestly, um, Goblin was one of those Korean dramas that I enjoyed but just didn't finish. I know, I know, I know. Um, Korean drama like purists are gonna be like upset, and there's gonna be probably haters about this, um, because it's one of those Korean dramas that is universally loved across the globe pretty much worldwide and the main reason was that um i mean i found kim goyan to be quite like just annoying in goblin i don't know because i guess because she's playing like a high school character a high school girl that it was just a little bit grating and um it it, it distracted me from the whole series 
Um, you know, here as Jung, um, as uh, Jung Tail, um, she, um, how do I say it? You kind of warm up to her towards the middle of after a few episodes. I think the first couple episodes, she really just reminded me of how her character was in Goblin, like a little bit grating, like in terms of acting. Um, and uh, the characterization is like a little bit confusing in terms of in uh in this Korean drama, mainly because she is portrayed as a strong independent female she's a lieutenant she's a police officer uh a detective in the violent crimes division in in seoul and she appears very like kick-ass badass hair um like independent female character like lead character but then also it's like they also portray her as the tragic heroine um and then it, that kind of just flips back and forth um within the first few episodes um so it's it's a little bit confusing at first um i think that's the gripe that most people have probably most uh watchers in korea have about this korean drama because um it is just you just get into a state of confusion while you're watching it and i think because now that i've actually watched until like about episode 12 the episode that was last week um then i kind of have a better idea and working like knowledge of how this whole parallel world parallel universe thing works um but at first the first few couple of episodes you're just gonna feel very overwhelmed and confused because there's so much going on and not much is being explained about the mechanics of this whole parallel universe so you're just kind of let left with a in the state of confusion and in 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 a way that just like distracts you from watching the korean drama and enjoying it um that that's like um my gripe about the character too. Uh, Jung Tail is like really quite badass. She is, you know, does well on her own, but she's also being saved by the main lead, like a lot. She's being saved by Egon like quite a lot, even in the first couple of episodes. Um, I think it kind of got better, um, especially last week's episodes, because there's kind of that momentum and that context of why she's being saved by Lee Gon. But in the first few episodes, I feel like um, Kim Go-yoon kind of got like the short end of the stick. Like, I feel like this character was supposed to be the character that's going to make her like she's already like quite a well-known actress. Um, I I mean, she was also in Tune In for Love with Jung Hae-in, um, that movie. Um, and I think this one was supposed to be, like, the big Korean drama that people are going to remember her by and going to be, like, impressed with her by and all that stuff. Um, but I think she kind of got short, the short end of the stick because she is being told pretty much by um, the director and the screenwriter to be like, okay, you're this badass female, but also uh, we need you to be saved by uh, Limino, by Lee Gon, because, you know, that's what everybody wants in a Korean drama. So I kind of feel like she got forced into fall into like the pitfalls of Korean drama cliches of the main lead, like swooping in. And literally he does swoop in and this like, white horse like he's literally the knight in shining armor because Ligon 
for the most part is traveling around swooping in and saving the day ish like in his white horse maximus who is adorable he's or she is an adorable, adorable steed. Uh, but literally, it's that image that they're trying to... Um, they're, they're really not trying to break away from it, uh, which is an interesting to... Interesting to... Interesting... Interesting thing. What am I saying? Interesting thing to watch throughout this uh, Korean drama. Um, I mean... Now I'm just like, I feel like we'll talk about episode 11 and episode 12 in a little bit, but that kind of saved my whole like idea about um, Lee, um, Kim, Go, um, Kim Go-yoon and her chemistry with um, Lee Min-ho um, just because they really kind of like got out of the trappings of like they, they dig them. Pretty much I feel like the director and the screenwriter had dug themselves into this hole of like, korean drama cliches like this is what we need to show on screen so people would watch this korean drama and they kind of like got out of that in episode 11 and episode 12 so that kind of saved the whole thing and i'm looking forward to the rest of the other episodes now because now i'm like full-on i've bought into this world this drama and now i want to know how everything resolves um i do want to mention wudoan who um was in my country the new age which i believe he he was the um one of the main leads there with yang sejong um i talked about my country the new age in a previous podcast episode but he is one of those upcoming korean drama actors he has quite a few impressive character roles already under his belt including uh in this in this drama he's he is a delight uh, as he plays vastly contrasting characters between both parallel worlds of the Republic of Korea and the Kingdom of Korea. He In the Kingdom of Korea, he is playing the methodical Joyong, uh, who is the unbreakable sword. He is the right-hand man, um, the chief of the security for Ligon, the king. Um, and he's very like military precise very stern and everything and in contrast in the republic of korea in the parallel world he plays uh joy Sop, who is very like childlike very like fun loving he is almost a little bit like comical in a way uh and a little bit of a just just a generally easily lovable character and he plays what one is like a revelation in terms of characters in this drama. Um, in the first few episodes of The King Eternal Monarch, I was just kind of like, do I really want to watch this? Do I really want to like stay through 16 episodes of this Korean drama? And Wudoan just like sold me into it in the beginning to a point that now I stayed through it and now I keep watching it. Um, because his duality, his... Um, the contrasting characters is such a revelation to watch. He is, you almost all forget that it's played by the same actor. And when they do meet, like the two characters uh, meet finally in um, a couple of episodes ago, it, it's just hilarious. It is such a, it, it, to a point that both characters, even though they're played by 
the same actor who the one um has just endeared me so much that I'm just like I they cannot die in this Korean drama. They need to survive until the end because oh my god, if not I will like forgo the travel ban and actually fly to Korea and like demand answers from the screenwriter um Kim Yoon Seok. It's like it's that much. It's that compelling that like I, that I'm just so endeared to both characters, uh, just because it's the way Wudo-won has acted both um the characters so well thought out completely like fully realized both characters in both parallel worlds that's what makes it so um interesting to watch in contrast kim buyun also plays two characters she plays jong tae um, and also in the king of korea she plays luna which is like a very mysterious kind of like criminal uh con artist type of character but it's just we haven't seen her that much and the way keep going place her is kind of very sullen and she's just she's supposed to be the most strongest character but i feel like in a way she's not really i'm not sure i mean i don't know we haven't i haven't we haven't seen that much of her in the korean drama so far to as for me like to really have an opinion about it um the the whole premise of parallel worlds one where korea is still a monarchy and not a divided nation um is in the get from the get-go just interesting to watch just because um you know um korea is divided to north korea and south korea because of the korean war and it's just different to see it as a monarchy and it continue um that whole tradition of it had with kings um ruling in its opulent palaces that you see in historical seguk historical dramas um that in and itself it's an interesting premise um although what i think kind of got me in the first few episodes is that it's not very easy to differentiate between scene transitions um it's not easy to differentiate between the republic of korea and the kingdom of korea because there's they look pretty much the same aside from like various tiny, tiny differences. Um, and it might have benefited if it had like a different color grading or maybe it's intentional that they're, they're supposed to, uh, they purposely did that to confuse the viewer like me to be like, I'm a little bit um, disoriented and I don't know if this scene is going on in the kingdom of Korea or if this is going on in the Republic of Korea. Like, Maybe it's intentional in terms of how they wanted to set up the whole world of it. But um, because it is like that, and it's already confusing with the whole idea of parallel universes, in the beginning, in the first few episodes, it just adds to the confusion. And um, I think that's what turns off a lot of the viewers from the start. Also, um, plot lines are a bit convoluted. Um there in the beginning there is already several story arcs are introduced but are not moved forward especially uh with the big bad the big villain Lirim. um he is kind of a bit like at first you don't really understand his intentions of what he's doing he just kind of pops up in a few scenes like menacingly like like a little uh you know, a little bit just like Voldemort in um the Harry Potter series that you don't really see that much. And it turns out just quietly gathering his like Death Eaters. 
So there's all that. Um, so, I, I mean, it made it very convoluted. And that added to the whole confusing plot line that um, I'm, I'm glad we've, we've passed now. <laughs> um, there's also just too many unanswered questions. There's not really that... Uh, we don't have the thing with parallel universes. If you watch any of the Marvel, uh, movies or any any show that has like parallel universes, any sci fi fantasy show, um, the main thing you really need to do is to have to build the world. And in terms of that, in this Korean drama, there's no really established rules about the mystical flute and the travel between two parallel worlds. And there's just too much to unpack in the beginning. There's quantum physics, um, the thing about like the whole time and possible time travel, that time stops in between the road of thunder and lightning in between the two worlds. Um, and we don't really understand why having half of the flute is does it only like give its holder like half of the powers of the mystical flute or uh each side of the flute has different powers because it seems like Lee Rim has like a lot more power that he's using from this mystical flute compared to Lee Gon or is it just Lee Gon hasn't like really delved into much about it and hasn't discovered the other mystical um powers of the flute like i i'm not too sure about it i'm just it's not there's a lot of unanswered questions uh mostly about the travel between the parallel worlds um in the in last week's episode things kind of became a little bit slightly clearer i would say um because you start to see um uh, certain little things that they introduced in the first half half of the drama show up more clearly and more in context because uh whenever either Lirim or Ligon travels in between the worlds um the world stops and um Ligon explains it in this expositional type of scene that each time it is multiplying exponentially i'm not that big of a math person so it took like a while to really like figure out what he's saying because it gets kind of like a bit too much um as with most of the series but uh pretty much it's the time that stop um the amount of time that stop multiplies exponentially so eventually like each time it's like it goes from just seconds to minutes to hours and to now days of like just um like being on freeze like on hold uh one of the scenes of uh Lee God and Jung Tail in uh church uh time stops probably because Lee Rim travels into the other parallel uh to the other world and uh it turns out when you calculate it and um you figure it out that um actually time had stopped for like a good like 12 hours or so and makes the scene just that much more that 
much more tragic because they're trying to take a photo, probably the last photo they're ever going to take together. And you can see that Jung Taehyung is frozen in time while Lee Gon is still able to move and he's just weeping, he's crying, he's bawling his eyes out. And when you realize that actually he was doing that for a good few hours, then just makes the whole character a lot more tragic, the whole situation a lot more tragic because he is there with the love of his life and he is she's stuck in time and he's still moving through time unchanging so um it makes it a lot sadder in a way um in episode 12 we get the whole epic um rescue scene that when Jung Taeol actually spoiler spoiler he she gets abducted and taken to uh, the kingdom of Korea without her knowledge and she just roams the street fighting off Lee Rim's like henchmen um and trying to reach the palace um and then Lee Gon swoops in with his army of secret service to save her uh is like the big big like you know ensemble like fight scene of the series but also in episode 12 we get like probably um something that was bothering me because um the chemistry was just quite odd during the first few episodes like you feel like Lee Gon is very head over heels in love with Jung Tae and it feels very disjointed not organic and then we get to episode 12, last Saturday's episode, where um, they have this scene in the church, which was very tragic, but also quite romantic and lovely. And then we get, like, probably one of the most um, well-acted uh, kissing scenes in Korean drama. I mean, I was a little bit taken aback because this is being shown on SBS, which is like a normal... Um, tv channel in korea and they're usually a lot more conservative it's this is not shown on like ocn or tvn or jtbc which are cable channels that end up to be a little bit more racier um in terms of their like kissing scenes or sex scenes uh compared to the normal broadcasting stations um but we get this like really just interesting neck ki kiss um throughout the series um uh, Lee Gon, like, threatens Jung Tail jokingly that, you know, uh, most people who act this way towards me are beheaded because I'm the king and I can order um, people getting to be beheaded if I want to. And then this is kind of like an in jo inside joke between them now. Um, and then uh, pretty much uh, Jung Tail goes like, well, go ahead and behead me then. And then uh, Lee Gon kisses her... Uh, on her neck and it's a very kind of just like very not out of the park <laughs> i mean you can kind of tell Ligon is capable of doing that but also um it's just straightforwardly very sensual um he kisses her on the neck and you can see the visible change in uh and shock in Jung Tail's eyes and her facial expression and he just goes for it he just goes for like this very deep kind of like very like different type of kiss I think um and then 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 I think for the first time in this whole drama that I felt the chemistry I mean there was tiny tiny little glimpses of it um, throughout the other episodes previously but this is when you really see that there is chemistry between Lee Min-ho and Kim Goyen um, both 
acted very well in the scene. It it never felt at all that you were being voyeuristic, that you were just peeking in into this private moment between two lovers. It never feels like that. It just felt like I said, what was missing is felt quite organic and just felt natural in the progression of how their relationship is. At first, it felt like they were just rushing, rushing, running into, I mean, this relationship and, and like showing it. And then we get all these quiet moments now that just really emphasize that and makes it just so much more like realistic. Um, But overall, I think it's very interesting each episode to the next. I mean, there's a lot of theories that people are um, working towards and I'm not going to go into it. But um, overall, if you've already started watching it, um, The King Eternal Monarch is one of those Korean dramas that you just need. The pacing is a little bit slow in the beginning. There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of to comprehend and just get your head around. It's not one of those Korean dramas that you can turn off your brain. You have to really focus and make sure that you're um listening and you're 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 paying attention to every detail. Um but I am looking forward to next four episodes and hopefully I have a feeling it's not going to be a happy ending. I feel like it's kind of going to be tragic. Um maybe almost to the Hotel de Luna kind of like tragic, sad ending. Uh, who knows? But it feels like it because just the way it's going and the way what you kind of figure out from the whole parallel universe travel thing that it it's probably, their relationship is probably not going to be um, the most sunny. It's probably going to be quite sad and tragic. But um, as with any other Korean drama, it's it's the story and... Um, sometimes you just got to live through it. Um, so yeah, that is the king, the eternal monarch. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, what else am I watching right now? Um, like I mentioned in another podcast episode, I'm still watching Hospital Playlist, which is an excellent, excellent, excellent Korean drama. I'm probably going to talk about it on the next podcast episode, hopefully next week. I've also started a uh, new series that's on Netflix called The Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Um, this is starring uh, Wang Jung-hyun, Yuk Sung-jae, and Choi Won-young. Uh, this is a... Uh, original net n series original netflix series it's based on a webtoon but this is about a young man played by yuk sung jay who has a unique ability uh and begins working for a centuries old bar owner played by wang jung yum who resolves her customers emotional troubles by entering their dreams i've watched like a couple of the episodes so far um that is on i think there's a new episode tomorrow wednesday so um or new two new episodes i believe um but i am really looking forward to watching it um it seems like it's it's a really good series um and it's has not that i mentioned hotel de luna it has a very hotel de luna feeling to it with the whole fantasy and stuff and um resolving people's issues except this one um in hotel de luna um the main lead is resolving the issues after they've died and before they go to the afterworld um and here uh they're resolving it uh with living people most of them so it's a little bit different uh 
um if you watch amongst the gods uh that uh, two korean drama uh series there's two dramas in that um there's two movies in that series then it's it's you kind of have a working working knowledge of what they're talking about um and of the characters um but i'll probably talk about that korean drama as well uh if i really get into it so uh so yeah that is the korean drama section of this podcast stay tuned for uh k-pop where we're going to talk about day six
Hey, welcome back to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, a podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment. And um, this is the K-pop section of um, the podcast. We're going to be talking about a song that, well, an album mostly that came out very recently in the past couple weeks or so from one of my favorite um, Korean bands, um, Day6. They are, um, I've talked about their songs before in this podcast. They are a five-member band. Um, They play instruments and they are from the same um, entertainment company as my ultimate bias K-pop group, GOT7. They are part of JYP Entertainment. And um, they recently came out with their comeback album called um, The Story of Us. Or no. It's not the story of us. The Book of Us, um, the Demon, uh, or the Book of Us Demon. Um, and um, it's it's significantly a lot more somber, a lot more darker than their other previous releases. And the title song is titled Zombie. Um, I think for me, um, Zombie is a, it's a fine, it's a well-composed track. Um but for a title song it doesn't um it really kind of pales um in comparison to um the previous two um albums that they've put out in the book of us series of albums um if you guys remember i i talked about uh sweet chaos i talked about time of our life and um, now this is the third edition of the title song to that series of albums that they've had called the book of us um and zombie is well written it's performed well in the music video um it just has a very standard um rock type of sound like a easy listening rock sound compared to their other tracks um especially like their debut congratulations uh you are beautiful they're just just a lot um more innovative and more um, unique sounding compared to zombie which i don't know if it's just because um this is a more kind of like sad and introspective type of song that it doesn't lead itself much more to like you know head bopping like very that type of song that you want to like just like listen and groove to um compared to the other singles but um zombie though is very uh introspective like i said um it talks about like kind of just going through life like pretty much like a zombie and just going through the motions of their every day and um it hits hard just because it does really reflect of how it's been in the past few months with the pandemic going on that you kind of almost feel because you're staying at home and sheltering in place you're not really going out and doing much that um you kind of, everything kind of starts becoming repetitive. Um, I think that's the flaw of um, Zombie is that because it's it's actually a good song. It's just that because it's trying to emulate and show that repetitive nature and repetitive um, beat of everyday life and kind of <clears throat> falling into this like, like just like monotonous, like monotone of an existence that it shows with the repetitiveness of the beats in the song. Um, I think um, 
it's it's infused with a lot of emotion, but it's not really a standout track um, as a song itself compared to, uh, let's say, Time of Our Life, which was like very much like uh, an anthem of youth of like, you know, going out there and just enjoying yourself and like, you know, throwing caution to the wind and has that type of vibe and also compared to like the more recent um title track from the book of us um entropy um sweet chaos which that that album was a very good secondary uh second foray into the series because um sweet chaos just is chaos it's like showing um like the chaotic like just ridiculous ways that plans can go away and like things can just like go bad um and it's like a swirl of like things like just happening and then we get zombie which is a little bit more somber like i said and just a little bit slower and a little bit more like um like showing tiredness of 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 life um i think it's interesting to note that um they're currently not performing this in the music shows uh, because uh, two of the members of the band was diagnosed with um, some anxiety and some like things that they need to work on with their mental health. And I don't know, maybe um, when you listen to Zombie, it's a little bit more fitting, thinking that maybe the band and most of its members are at the point of their lives that um, they might have be working on a lot on their mental health because that's what the whole underlying feel of zombie is um i mean uh i'm glad that now uh it's more acceptable in the k-pop industry uh for um their idols uh their singers to be going on a mental health break which i think is very important in such an industry that's just very uh hectic and high stress level um there is also an English version of Zombie, which um, if you take a listen to that, it's a lot more heartbreaking and more somber just because when you understand the lyrics and what they're trying to convey and what they're trying to say, it's just a lot more interesting that um, they're just listening to it in its original language in Korean. Um, I would say um, Zombie just feels a little bit more flat. Um, it's, it's not like a bad song at all. It's quite well written. It's just, it's not probably the song that, uh, would make you think of, um, day six. Um, overall, I think, um, it's one of those songs that will grow on you. I mean, congratulations is still one of my favorites. Shoot me is actually pretty good as well as we have sweet chaos and time of our lives. But, um, I feel like zombies just not one of, um, those songs from their discography that you're going to end up just going back to a lot um it's it it feels more of like a b-side rather than a uh, title track um the other songs in um the book of us demon is actually um also quite good but it's just there's just not any standout tracks um which is unfortunate because um last year one of the concerts that i have been fortunate to actually watch and go to is day six's concert when they were doing um gravity um their concert series and stuff and it was so good it was such a high energy type of concert and those 
those were the songs that I enjoyed that much from, um, that I enjoy very much from day six. So, um, I'm just, I'm a little bit saddened that Zombie is not one of those songs that really caught me, um, compared to their other songs. Um, it's still definitely a worthwhile song to listen to, uh, but I wouldn't suggest it as a song to start off when you're just trying to get into day six. And as usual, uh, there's that weird, awkward pause between there. I was thinking about something and lost my train of thought. Um, as usual, you'd have heard a snippet of Zombie if you are on anchor.fm or Spotify Premium, um, you would have heard a snippet of the song Zombie in the beginning of this section of the podcast. Uh, if not, you're going to hear an equally awesome um, non-copyrighted song that would be playing. And then after this section, I'm actually going to play you guys um, another one from their uh, current album called Love Me or Leave Me. Uh, that's going to play after this section uh, as well if you are on uh, anchor.fm or spotify premium uh, stay tuned for me talking about in the cute in the korean beauty section about lip products yet again you guys know i love my lipsticks and my my lip balms and all that stuff so we're going to talk about that again in the korean beauty section right after the jump Welcome back, and this is the Korean beauty section of this podcast, Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean culture-related, including Korean entertainment, K-pop, and K-beauty, of course. And today, um, we're going to talk about lip products, 
more specifically matte lipstick i know um you guys know i love love lip products and i've talked about them so much in the first few episodes of this podcast but um i feel like it's been long enough that we can actually revisit and talk about a couple of matte lip product items that i am still enjoying um even in this pandemic where people can't see my lips actually when i go out in public because i'm wearing a mask of course for the safety of everybody um but i feel like just generally happier if i'm wearing i have i have some lip color on me just because it feels like just a semblance of normal in this whole like shelter in place thing um but i want to talk about uh some products that i still find myself reaching for um every day um and still look good on my skin tone even now that it's getting a little bit warmer um the first brand we're going to talk about is one of my favorite favorite korean brands which is 3ce by style nanda this is 3ce's mood recipe lip color which is their um lipstick line um they have a lot of matte um shades the shade that i specifically use is number 221 which is mellow flower um mellow flower is this beautiful kind of um terracotta rose more towards the orangey side lip color um it's quite beautiful i've i've almost down to the to the end of it um of the tube that i have um, you do have to pay um, a little bit more just because it has it's um, it's actually imported from Korea, um, so it's a little bit more expensive than if you were in Korea and you were buying it off at the store. I think in the store it'd be it would come out to be like about fifteen dollars. If you're buying it here in the states and you're having it shipped over, it's shipped over. It's about like a little bit more than twenty two. $24. It depends on the shade and how uh, rare or limited it is. But Mellow Flower is one of their standard uh, matte shades. Um, the You guys know I love matte lipsticks. Um, I do have quite an oily um, skin, combination oily. Um, and my lips tend to get oily as well. Or like it's just easier for lip product to come off. Um, I like my lipsticks to be matte. Um, I just feel like that looks much, much better with my complexion and how my face is. Um, it looks much better <laughs> um, overall. And in terms of matte lipsticks, uh, 3CE's Mood Recipe is definitely one of the ones that are up there in terms of quality because um, they are the hues are perfect, but also uh, the formulation of its matte lipsticks are just like that enough dryness that's not going to show up like more of a velvet or a cream finish that's a there's a little bit of a sheen this one's perfectly matte um and but it's not drying at all um if you put like lip balm before you put this product totally fine you put it without lip balm it's fine um and the packaging is this simple minimalistic like um color that shows what the the shade of the lipstick is outside and it's matte um it's just it's just a good lipstick to hold on to and it doesn't slip from your hands if you're doing if you're putting on your um, lip color um in general overall uh 
like up there in terms of the the lipsticks that I love and it is like an all-star across the board. Um the other um product that I want to talk about is from Clio. This is called Mad Matte and this is actually number 6 which is Sensual Pepper. Um when I first bought this, I bought this at KCON last year. I'm so sad KCON's not going to be happening this year, of course, because we're not conventions. There are way too many people and, you know, we don't want to spread COVID a lot more than, you know, it's already spreading. But I bought Matt, this this specific shade of Mad Mad from Clio um, at KCON in their K-Beauty section. And it is a matte kind of like deep red um, color. Um, and it is more, uh, of a deeper color compared to Mellow Flower. Um, Cleo also does a really good, um, matte, um, line of lipstick. Mad Matte, as it is called, is, uh, this small round tube that, um, also reflects the color inside um and this one's a more deeper kind of orangey red shade that just works perfectly with my skin tone um also not very drying at all it has very good staying power i wear it um the start of my 12 hour shift and it lasts quite well throughout the 12 hours and um it just has like a very pleasant way of how it uh applies uh, very smooth and um, creamy actually to a point but then when it uh, comes on it's it's totally matte like you, you don't have to worry about it at all um, I really wanted to get a couple more um, of Clio of products from Clio especially the other shades in their Mad Matte series but uh, it's been kind of hard getting them now um, but in the future I'm probably going to try to um try a lot more of their shades um especially it's so handy because it's it's actually very small and it's easy to put on your pocket or in your purse um it doesn't weigh that much um but it has quite a lot of product for a little tiny tiny um tiny packaging it is uh 4.5 grams or 0 0.15 ounces compare that to um to the 3CE one, which is, I think, like about four, four grams or so. It's a little bit more than the 3CE, even though it's a smaller packaging. Um, so yeah, it's one of those that I just, I, I just love using. Um, it's actually one of my, uh, go-to lip colors these days. It's like a fierce, uh, red but with, with a hint of orange and a little bit deeper so it's definitely wearable any time of the day um the next product that i want to talk about is from peripera another brand that i entirely love this is their ink airy stick number nine number nine is emotional red and at first when i purchased this this was 3.6 grams so it's a little bit less than all of the other um lipsticks i usually use which is usually around four grams and this one's really petite it's like a little tiny tiny um little bullet of a lipstick um and this one uh when i first bought it i was a little bit afraid because um i thought it was gonna be a really bright red like that 
very um, typical, um, like, bright red lipstick that you would think about when you think about red lipsticks. Um, and it's not, actually. It's a little bit of a softer, kind of brighter compared to the shade of Mellow Flower, compared to Central Pepper from Mad, uh, the Mad Matte Central Pepper. Um, but it's definitely not that bright of a red that you'd feel very self-conscious about. Just the right amount of red uh, that has slight brightness to it. Um, the formulation is amazing. Probably my favorite in terms of its formulation because it does live up to its name. It is very airy. It is very light on the lips. It never feels heavy at all. There's no tugging when you apply it. Um, it applies dry, but it doesn't apply, it doesn't tug at all. And it doesn't dry the lips at all. Um, no more than your normal matte lipstick. Um, but, um, it's very lightweight. Like, I would put probably, the color payoff is quite well, but I would usually put like about three like layers of this just for, you know, just for my own sanity, I guess. Um, and it still feels like as if I'm not wearing anything. And that's what's beautiful about um, Peri Paris Ink Airy Stick. Um, I do want to also get a couple more shades of this, but as of the moment, um, I do not have any access to them. But Pear Pear is one of those cutesy kind of um, stores in Korea that I went to. And it's like just a tiny, tiny store in Myeongdong. Um, and it's very accessible to anybody if you're in Korea. Uh, a little bit less easier so here in the States. But um, if you ever want to check out and have like a matte lipstick that is very light on the lips and not drying definitely peri paris ink airy stick is the one to go um and those three are pretty much the lipsticks that i have found myself reaching for still uh they're all kind of in the shade of like kind of terracotta rosy red orangey shades um and they are amazing as everyday colors definitely recommend those three bands as well and yeah, that would be it for the Korean beauty section of this podcast. And you have reached the end of this podcast. You have successfully listened to me ramble about Korean dramas, K-beauty, K-pop for a good almost a little bit more than an hour. And um, you lived through it. It's amazing, right? <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Um, I am always deeply, deeply thankful for anybody who's been listening and tuning in to this podcast since uh, it's been an irregular like upload system at all um so thank you for still staying through with it um and i'm hoping to come back with another podcast episode sooner than later um but in the meantime let me know what you want me to talk about by uh reaching us at anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink neon has two ends forward slash message or you can always tweet me at our socials at peach neon pink neon has two ends um, you can also go to my uh, website at peachneonpink.com. Neon, again, has two ends, as with everything. And um, I post some blogs there, blog posts, and like talk about other stuff, ramblings, and all that 
everything else. <laughs> and um, thank you guys again for listening. And I look forward to talking to you guys later. Uh, sooner than later, hopefully. Um, yeah. <laughs>